0: Hello and welcome to Zero to Hero, a new series by Hive Think Media, where we talk about the foundational building blocks of business and how you can go from zero, aka no business, to one day being a startup hero yourself. I'm Chris Wood.
1: I'm Nate Tucker. And I'm Michael Ardizabal.
0: Rhymes with water bottle. Hey, oh. Uh, thanks for listening to us today. We're going to talk about. Unreasonable Hospitality, which is a concept. Uh, there's a book about it. Uh, there's another podcast as well called A Bit of Optimism by Simon Sinek, where um, they talk about this concept. And Simon actually got this guy to write the book about it. And Simon edited and published it with his publishing company. And it's the, I don't remember the guy's name actually, but he uh, basically helped create. Uh, This restaurant in New York City that became one of the top 50 restaurants in the world got three Michelin stars James Beard Awards all this crazy stuff and it's because he Started focusing on how he could be unreasonably hospitable Um, But what does that mean? So? This place is crazy, but we'll start just digging through it. So unreasonable obviously not reasonable So basically doing things that people are confused by and then hospitality. Um, And so I actually wrote down this quote that I loved um, from the podcast. So uh, someone asked, what's the difference between hospitality and service? And so they said, service is black and white hospitality is color. Service is just doing the thing that you do with precision, accuracy, and efficiency. Hospitality is how you make the person who you're doing it for feel." Um, And yeah, I just love that concept because I mean every restaurant every business they have service It's just what they do. Sometimes it's bad service. Sometimes it's good service. Sometimes it's weird service Uh, Like that restaurant that insults you as you eat at the restaurant Um, But this guy said, you know what? Let's let's be unreasonable with our hospitality Um, and so Another quote I loved is he said most teams after they play a game and lose go to the tapes and examine what they could have done better. Uh, he said not enough. Go to the tapes after they win and examine what they did well and make sure they keep doing it. Um, and he also talks about how people will forget what you say, what you do. They'll never forget how you make them feel. And he says it's a one size fits one experience, etc. So basically what they did. Uh, they had this fancy restaurant and a good example that he talks about is there was this group of foodies that were eating at his restaurant they were they'd gone to New York City to eat all of these uh, crazy fun restaurants they'd done you know the gamut of this restaurant that restaurant all the the top names and this was their last meal before they were flying out the next day I said but you know what stinks is we never had a dirty water hot dog and uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with dirty water hot dogs in New York City it's I'm just a so, yeah, they have these little <laughs> hot dog carts on the side of the road, and they have dirty water hot dogs, which is just hot dogs that are in dirty water. <laughs> and it makes okay. it taste good. Nice. It's something about New York water, you know? Yeah. Bagels, too. Uh, so this guy hears that, and he says to himself, I'm going to fix this. So he goes. He takes the plates uh, to the kitchen. And he runs out the front door and goes to a hot water hot dog cart down the street. He buys a hot water hot dog or dirty water, dirty water hot dog. And then has to convince the chef of this three Michelin star restaurant to serve this dirty water hot dog. And so the guy cuts it into four for the table and he plates four different ones. And he does like the, the fancy mustard and ketchup and all this stuff. And then before their final meal, he says, I've got another meal for you guys. It's a, uh, you know, water hot dog and they freak out they're so excited they're like this is the coolest thing ever and like this guy serves you know filet mignons lobster caviar and he was like i could have served them a bucket full of caviar and they wouldn't have cared as much as they cared about this and it's because he heard what they wanted and it was a one size fits one experience so it's only what they want if he served this to every people every group that came into the restaurant he'd be laughed out of town you don't go to a three-star michelin restaurant to eat dirty water hot dogs, <laughs> but he heard this thing that they wanted and then made it happen. And so basically they created this entire system called unreasonable hospitality. And he created a new job title called the dream weaver. And it's someone, That's dope. it's, isn't that an awesome, That's pretty great. I love that. <laughs> so he created the dream weaver and basically their job is to, uh, make people's dreams happen. So the dirty water hot dog, um, And so the staff has been empowered to not only listen to what people want and be really intuitive, but he lets them be really creative with how things are done. And then they engage with a dream weaver. And I mean, it's just crazy. And so every experience is different. And they talk about in the podcast, how it's obviously, it feels good if this happens to you, like the, the dirty water hot dog, people felt great because this guy listened to what they wanted and he made it happen. But also, you feel good when you watch other people feel good too, and so not only did they feel great, but everyone around them that caught on caught on to that also had a good time and left feeling really great. Um, so that's that's the general gist of unreasonable hospitality. And I would challenge everyone that either owns a business or works somewhere to kind of go inside and retrospective, introspective, I guess, and uh, figure out what's something that you can do that's unreasonably hospitable. Um, at becaffeinated we have some things that I would argue are definitely, uh, unreasonable hospitality. Uh, if someone's having a really bad day, we give them a free drink, free pastry, whatever. Um, we've done, there's, there's been some fun stories of stuff we've done, but it's one thing to just do it. And it's another thing to make it a priority. And so there's yeah. a business that listened to this guy speak and they literally put into their budget, a line item of unreasonable hospitality budget. So they have a set budget every year of money that they dedicate to going above and beyond for this um so yeah what do you guys think what what do you guys uh like or dislike about this and how do you think
1: uh have you experienced this before yourself with anything yeah i actually have a really great example of this um are you familiar with the pet food brand chewy yeah (laughs) okay so the other day we got a package in the mail and we were like ordering food or something. And so we got that part, but what they sent along with it was a little like four by four painting of our, our recent new cat, Saki. So Sicily How did they know what they looked like? Sicily made uh you're gonna make an account for each pet that you have. Okay. So she had recently made an account for Saki and put a picture of her. And so they painted that picture and sent it in.
0: That's cool. That's and
1: it's like above and beyond, yep. like, oh my gosh, like talking about remarkable. Like Sicily posted on it on her social media and it's just freaking crazy. Yeah. Um and now people are gonna go to Chewy. Yeah, because this happened. Yeah. And so an honestly, for me. I was like, okay, Chewy, whatever. But now I'm like, I love you. You're a diehard Chewy fan. <laughs> They're freaking painted my cat.
0: So, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. about you, Nate? That's amazing.
2: Yeah, so a big thing that really stuck out to me listening to that um, podcast episode was the idea, too, of like, it really restructures how you think about your business and Mm -hmm. how I think employees can think about their job Mm -hmm. because it no longer becomes just, I am here to do this service. And my job here is, with the an example, it's easy to go, my job is make coffee. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get this customer their drink. They're going to move on. I'm going to do it again. Well, when you're going with the hospitality mindset, it changes instead to like my goal is to make this customer happy my goal is to make sure that they leave here feeling like they were cared for and mm-hmm. feeling like they didn't just come here and get get coffee but this actually like made their day better yeah yeah and i, I like chris said i think that we do like a pretty good job at that um some examples i immediately think about is just making it like a challenge um as some baristas do, to like make customers who often can be difficult, happy. Uh, We've had several times where free have told me like, oh no, this person's coming, this person's always difficult. And I've watched as team um, leaders have then said, okay, I'm going to go above and beyond for them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them their drink for free, or I'm going to do everything I can to make them smile. And those are the customers who then come back every single day and say how much they love us. When a week ago, we thought they hated us.
0: Yeah, and I think what's really important. Uh, there's two sides to this. So one, uh, you know, so there's this chemical in your brain called oxytocin. Uh, it's the chemical that gets released when you get hugged by someone. It's also the chemical that gets released when you see nice things. So um, cat photos, oxytocin. You mm-hmm. See something nice happen to someone else. That so inherently there is value in doing these nice things for people. It on the selfish side. Like you feel good. You feel great. Mm-hmm. But Extending that, your employees feel great too. They feel happier themselves and they are that much more engaged and your customers are obviously happy and everyone that watches this interaction, they leave happy. Um, so on an objective format, there's no reason that you shouldn't be doing this. Just purely objectively, everyone's happier for it. Everyone feels better. Uh, and the I mean, the main cost is just whatever the cost of the thing was, which yeah. typically is worth it. On the other side of things, um, when was the last time you tried somewhere new that you only heard bad things about from other people? I I don't do that. Like if someone, if I've heard from one person, I don't. This I had a bad experience or this wasn't good. I probably won't go. If it's more than one person, if it two or more, literally two, I will not go there unless there's just this extenuating circumstance where I just have to go there. Um, And on the flip side. People are incredibly more likely to try things that people recommend. So, like, yep. I'm more inclined now to use Chewy now that Michael said this cool thing happened. Uh, that, that goes word of mouth spreads. Word of mouth. I mean, you look at Google reviews. You look at Amazon reviews. Reviews are just digital word of mouth. But then you go and uh, I mean, you talk to your friends about stuff and you say, "Oh, have you tried this place? This happened, or this cool thing happened?" You know. So, it makes your people feel better. Makes people more likely to talk about your place. And so, like, overall, you literally get stuff for being nice to people. And, yeah. like, you, I don't think you need to do it just because you get stuff. But if you're like, oh, I don't think that makes sense for my brand. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it does. Okay,
1: example. River Street Deli. Yes, that's a good. Bruce. Okay, Nate, you wanna take it away? (laughs) I'll I'll
2: spin this one. Yeah. So River Street Deli is a deli here in Chattanooga. Um, As New York. Yeah, it's very odd hours. So a lot of people, uh, a lot of people I talk to, they're like, I would love to go to that place, but they have weird hours, or oh, I've heard that it's just sandwiches. And then I take them there, and they're like, this place is amazing. Because what happens is you walk in, and Bruce, the the owner, he is just this like. The most stereotypical New, new <laughs> York. Yeah, forget about he it. He bullied yeah. New
0: York. Yeah. Yes, and he's it's like there. the soup Nazi guy from Seinfeld. You remember that episode? I've I so like seen they walk. One. So it's this. It's this kitchen and the soup Nazis there. And like, if you get to the front of the line and you don't know what you want. He says, no soup for you. Go to back of line. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's Bruce, but like in the nicest way possible, he's like, it's usually instead of no no sandwich for you, he says, uh, you want the stromboli. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He tells you what you're going to get. Yeah. And when Bruce tells you what to get, you get what Bruce tells you what to yeah. get. It's always a recommendation. It. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah He's like a sorting hat for sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And like the first time I went to there, I had no idea how to even read his menu. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I've never had a fancy. New York deli sandwich before. I go to like Subway. I don't know what <laughs> this is gonna be like. I really down gonna like this. And he just tells me you're getting the club. <laughs> I get the club and instantly knew this is my new favorite sandwich
0: <laughs> shop. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and you feel like you're part of the family yeah. there. I feel you special. Know. You feel special. Exactly. Um, and it might be he just has extra clubs that day and he's trying to move them <laughs> but even if that's the case like he still it, you feel like, you, he, like
1: the way he goes above and beyond that unreasonable hospitality is about the experience like yes there's a difference between like someone who's a street performer that just is kind of playing background stuff and someone who has like a charisma and a mm-hmm. charm that draws you in and makes it makes you watch them because it's like, this is going to be one of the most memorable things of your entire trip, wherever yeah. you're going. And they that's like, that's like audience. Bruce. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, okay, okay. You're not just a regular person to me. You're 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 someone to talk to and to, to pitch to and to give yep. this beautiful information to in the funnest way possible.
0: And you know what he doesn't forget? He doesn't forget that his business is only around because of the people that pay him money for the sandwiches. Yeah. And Never that is forget. such an important thing that a lot of business owners forget. They treat customers like they're an inconvenience and like, ah man, I gotta do this thing. Dude. You can't stay open if people don't give you money. Yep. Like, they're your lifeblood, so yep. you should be treating them as well as possible. So really, unreasonable hospitality should just be called reasonable hospitality. Yeah, you
1: know, but <laughs> what, what we should all be doing. <laughs> yeah, but
0: well, that's just not how the world works. But yeah, Bruce is great, and I love the New York deli stuff. And uh, I, I think we're going to New York in a couple of months for Coffee Fest yeah. and to do some bagel research. So. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to that uh-huh. um okay i'm gonna jump in real quick because I, I feel like another couple of terms i've heard that touch on the same concept of unreasonable hospitality would be like surprise and delight i feel like that mm-hmm. kind of falls into the same category but I for a while <laughs> yeah but another uh one i talked about before was like okay surprise and delight's nice but then i tried to level it up uh at one point in my life with i always thought of it as shock and delight mm-hmm. like <laughs> how can i like make it so ridiculously memorable and then, whatever. So, I feel like a good combo of both, like surprise and delight, might be for becaffeinated the oh, your drink's free, or here's a free drink coupon, or oh, we bumped it up a size for you. And at a certain level, but then it opens up okay, what's the shock and delight version of that? We and give them a free espresso machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Here's a coffee shop just for you. Here you go. I'm just kidding. So anyways, but it's just like, that's a fun concept of, of trying to like paint the picture of, okay, this is what we're, we should always be doing a little strong amount of surprise and delight. Maybe shock and delight isn't something you can do all the time. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's way crazy, but occasionally that's pretty fun.
0: Well, and I think what's really important is it doesn't need to be all the time. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big components of this unreasonable hospitality or shock and delight thing is Uh, It draws on the organic experiences, Mm -hmm. which means it's not going to happen all the time. But what what the the trick is, is to be open and intuitive to the possibility. So um, I, I found myself as I've become, more of a business, I said more, it's binary, either business (laughs) owner or not. But as I've evolved as a business owner, I found myself, um, trying to listen more to customers when they don't think anyone's listening or, um, like if people ask if I work at be caffeinated, I say, yes. And I don't tell them I'm an owner so that I can try and you know hear more stuff. Um, or I'll work on the patio at North shore and I'll be in nondescript clothes or they don't know I work here. And I just sometimes listen to people and uh, it's really fun when it's like, man, this is the best hot chocolate I've ever had. Or, uh, recently someone said that and then the, the uh, her grandma was like, uh, Oh, don't don't you get them at Starbucks too? And she was like, "Yeah, but I don't like those. I just get it because it's convenient. But this one's delicious, you yeah. know." And so she's like, "The only other one that compares to this is Swiss Miss, which in my head, like, that's that's yeah, I yeah, mean, Swiss on. is the big lease you know." Yeah,
1: um, that's a compliment.
0: Yeah, super compliment. But just being, oh, and I think it's emotional intelligence is part of it, and just intuiting like. Uh, there's this really simple thing that I could provide to these people right now that would completely make their day. Sometimes it's just a pup cup when they didn't know that was an option. Sometimes it's when they're hanging out in front of the North shore shop with the dog and they're like kind of looking confused and they're like, Hey, bring your dog in. That's allowed. Or it's uh, one time there was, um, you know, a girl that was in high school and she started coming to the shop with her family and then she moved off to college and her mom wanted to do like a care package for it. And so I went to the thrift store, we bought this basket and made up like, uh, up and coffee and all this stuff that I knew she liked and just gave it to him. I was like, Hey, just make sure she's like, make sure she gets it. Um, and they were super excited about that. And it took me literally 10 minutes, but uh, mm-hmm. it was just really impactful, uh, thing for, for that person. Um, and so later in this episode, I'm going to talk about the power of moments and it'll kind of sign this off, but I think we've finished this segment. Yeah. So we'll move on to the fun things. Um, yeah, and so that's how these Zero to Hero episodes work. We start off with uh, just a fun business concept that we can teach you guys. Uh, maybe uh, it'll be stuff like this. Maybe it'll be a little more concrete, like, I don't know, what is customer segmentation? What is unique value proposition? And then we end the episode with just really fun,
1: exciting business stuff that we want to talk about. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, I'll kick us off. So... Recently, I was doing some journaling, as I do. If if you don't know me very well yet, just know I get really introspective. I just love going deep and seeing what comes up. So recently when I was journaling, I was thinking back to both business things and creative things in life that – I just had a vision for, and then it happened. And all all these times, I've always been that person where a lot of my friends kind of laugh and joke, like, "Oh, of course you did this crazy thing and made it happen." And uh, so, you know, ex- some examples. For instance, one at one time, I was I didn't have a job, and I was like trying to start my art career. And I said, okay, my goal is to get hired at a coffee shop and convince them to let me sell my art somehow, some way. And then I did that. And like, I got hired on Be Caffeinated, talked to them about selling art. And in under like a month, I ended up selling art at the market alongside Be Caffeinated Coffee. And that really kicked off my art career and gave me my first sales and built that momentum. It was your Blue Series. It was my Blue Series, uh, which was a bunch of characters that I had drinking coffee, which was fun. I have one in my kitchen. It's yeah. lovely. Yeah. Uh, is like uh, been so many different times like if i want a thing and i'm super focused on it it'll just like happen but i don't think it's like a woo-woo magic thing i think it's uh, i realized what are the times it was successful and it's when i had one very specific goal or whether it was an achievement or an item that i wanted to acquire and i just was just insanely obsessed about it Just researched it constantly, thought about it, journaled about it. Every time I would go out amongst other people, I'll talk to them about it. And I think there's something really powerful about having a very specific goal that all of your brain power goes towards how to get get that thing or how to achieve that thing. But also, if you talk about that one specific thing, people can hold on to that and then people wanna help you with it. So, so many of the things that I've wanted, I've talked to everyone about, and uh, invariably someone would say, oh, have you talked to so-and-so? Or actually, oh, you wanted a bike? I have a bike, but I'll never use it. You want it? And they would just give me a bike. Um, And so I think there's a powerful thing in terms of whether it's for business or creativity or just other life goals of having Death Star laser focus, on a thing at a time. Even if you know that there's more goals beyond that, just trying to really keep yourself focused on what's the next very specific thing you want and then just putting all of your energy behind it. And and so I literally, it's like I have a list of like 30 different things that I thought of that was like, oh yeah, I, I wanted that thing. I got that thing. I wanted this thing. I got that thing. And in kind of crazy amounts of time, and it really is just, I think, a matter of like how much, you desperately want that achievement or item and how much you believe it's possible. So the times when this hasn't worked, it's when my goals have been drastically way bigger than I think my heart really believed could happen. And, or if I had a bunch of different desires at the same time, it would start to get really muddy. So good examples were like, I wanna sell my first piece of art. So what did I do when I was trying to sell my first piece of art? I was painting a lot and I talked to every single person about my art and I would show them on my phone. I was like a a kid, like showing off, you know, the art to their mom on the refrigerator, but I would do it with literally every friend I ever talked to random people. I met, I would mention art and talk about it constantly. And then they would always ask, Oh, can I see it? And I would show them the art and then someone bought a piece. And I did this with all sorts of different, different things. Like I, when I first started playing guitar, I was like, I'm gonna become one of the best guitarists that any regular person that I meet will probably ever meet in their entire life. And I <laughs> i was really bad at guitar, i never played it before, but in under a year, I was playing lead guitar in a band, and then a couple years after that, I was paid full-time to teach guitar, and I really achieved that goal, and it was crazy. But that time, it was like I was a rabid dog on the bone, not letting it go. And I think there's something powerful to a hundred percent full yes to something like there's no doubt at all it's just i will do this thing i will get this thing yeah it's
2: it's a story of persistence and just really just keeping on it especially like in the business world it's so easy to feel like you can't do things and feel overcome especially when you're looking at the achievements of others so it's just so important to just stay on it have your goal have your mission and just get that done
0: yeah and uh, uh reverse engineering like you know you're talking about big goals everything's made up of smaller things yep. so figuring out okay if i want to be i don't know the president of the united states one day what, what's the realistic track record to that well first i need to understand politics well debatable in this ecosystem but um <laughs> i probably need to become a governor or a senator or something and then you know move up to there um and then i also think um a lot of it is just so have you ever seen a new car that you've never seen before and you're like that's a cool car what is that they're like oh it's a corvette stingray and then suddenly you see it everywhere yep there's no more than there were before you're just aware of it now because you had this kind of epiphany or uh actualization and i think that's a lot of why this Mm -hmm. is a thing is because uh so you have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind if your subconscious is like focused on this thing then it starts picking up on the things that are relevant. And whereas before, if you weren't thinking about it or telling people about it, it's just another comment. Yep. But uh, suddenly, like if I want to open a nonprofit, every time I hear someone say the word nonprofit, I'll be like, wait, what did they say? 100%. Or if I hear them say taxism or whatever, any of those buzzwords, then my ears pick up subconsciously. And then my conscious brain picks up on it. Um, and so it's like manifesting is kind of the, like you said, woohoo magic word yeah. for it. But I really think, persistence mixed with, um, I guess cognizance maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really similar to the unreasonable hospitality thing where a lot of it stems on just being open to possibilities, being open to opportunities. Um, and I think as a business owner, this is incredibly important because, uh, so everyone's like, yeah, networking is important. Networking is so important. We have had so many obnoxious opportunities as Becaffeinated simply because I went out and met people. Nate got this job because he reached out to me on Facebook. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And he's become literally an integral part of this team. And it all started on Facebook. Michael had this giant ask where he was like, I want to do this and this. And then he kept asking and I kept saying, yes, I don't know if I should have, but like <laughs> he's where he is because he just took the chance and then started keeping on doing stuff. And, and, but the important part at first is Nate knew he wanted to do marketing plus Brisa. Michael knew he wanted to do barista plus art. And then he let us know afterwards that he also did all this other stuff, <laughs> but he held it to his chest until he wanted it. Um, so kind of like journaling might be important, but even just talking to someone and trying to figure out what do I want? What are those steps talking to people? is like this collective accountability component and then just being open to those opportunities. If you say no, you can't do it, but going to stuff, talking to people and just listening, being open to collaboration, being open to opportunities, like it's huge. And, uh, we've had so many fun collaborations with people where I was just either I said something or they said something and we are like, why don't we do that? And they're like, "Huh, yeah." Why don't we do that? And then we did it, and yeah. it was really cool. That's how we got, you know, the you know CFC and the the Louis, Louis Lookouts and the mocks on our coffee sleeves. So someone talked to another person. Everyone was like, "Oh, that's a good idea. Let's do it." And then we did it. Um, <laughs> but if we didn't think about what we wanted to do, then we never would have had that realization. So, yeah, um, part of it is clarity, but
1: also it's like just just being around. Yeah, what that, you what you were talking about with the subconscious stuff is dead on like i think it's i don't know someone probably will tell me the right version of this it's like i think it's called like the reticular activation system as part of your brain and it really is the part of your brain that it says okay give me a target and i will lock on and search for i'll filter all of the information in the world for things relevant to that and it's like it's like for instance if you're not hungry you walk through the kitchen, you don't see anything. But if you're hungry... You see the crumbs vroom, on the counter, and they never look so like, tasty. What in the <laughs> what in the cabinet do I want to eat? I want something salty. Fine, salty. And mm-hmm. and so in the same way, if you're playing that game with your friends of uh, yellow punch buggy wins or whatever that thing, nope. it's like your brain all of a sudden only cares about yellow. <laughs> and uh, I really think that that's the power. I don't think it's you know some magical thing. I think it's, yeah, just if, if you have to believe... If you believe, then you'll take any action mm-hmm. and, uh, and then if you strongly desire it, you're going to obsess about it. And then if you do that long enough, you're going to collect so many clues that lead you down that path and yeah, and I make think, it inevitable.
0: I think too, the other, it's, it, it's, it puts a frame on everything, like a perspective. Like if you have a pencil it's a writing utensil but if you are really concentrated on making a slingshot it's more than just a pencil then it's like oh if i put a rubber band around this i can make a slingshot Mm -hmm. and so everything that is just normal suddenly becomes okay but how can i use this for the thing i want exactly um so if it's this thing in business i want to do like if if i just really want to sell a bunch of local pastries it's not oh there's a cookie store that opened down the road it's oh the cookie store that opened down the road, we could work together and make a new cookie, which is what we do with the Chattanooga cookie company. Um, And so it's just, it frames everything, it puts it in perspective and your brain, I mean, your brain's smart, it's creative. And I think another thing that's fun is thinking about uh, kind of your outlooks on life. And a lot of people are either super positive or super negative Mm -hmm. and it's it's what they look for. And you can kind of hack your brain. And if you start looking for the positive stuff, You kind of just keep doing that. If you constantly look for the negative stuff, kind of keep just doing that yep. um, yeah
2: and i i was thinking about that the whole time chris about like a big element of this is like being positive and the way i like to view that is i tell people be like a long-term optimist yeah which is that you can be in a really bad situation
1: i love that name. i'm can, clapping for you <laughs>
2: thank you yeah you can really like hate what you're doing i, I mean going back to when i started working at B Caffeinate, i was very much at a job that i did not enjoy i was not going to my job every day super happy before uh, you were working at right right right. yes <laughs> yeah yeah B-Caffeinated. B-Caffeinated. Yeah. i, I so Just like, to yeah. clarify, it be confident. Yeah, I did not like the job that I was at at the time. Um, it felt like it wasn't going anywhere. It didn't feed the stuff that I wanted to do with my life. And uh, you could tell when you talked to me. But I still, whenever people asked me about like my ambitions or things I wanted to do, I was still excited. I still had the thoughts of, like, I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to get into this. And I kept that view going. And after months and months of working there, I finally got the job that I mm-hmm. wanted.
0: And I mean, a similar thing happened with us in Becaffeinated. I was, I, my joke is, as most people do, they get their MBA, I was working at McDonald's. Um, I was working at McDonald's, I was not happy with where I was at. I had just spent five years in college, couldn't get a job outside of McDonald's. Um, but I also had the long-term optimism where I knew that wasn't where I was gonna end up and I wanted to do more. And then my manager said the thing where 70% of their sales were through the drive-through and that sparked the light bulb. I was open for possibilities and potential that led to the conversation with Doug at home, which led to eventually us opening a coffee shop. There was probably a year and a half between that comments that my manager randomly made. I know they don't even remember it. I couldn't even probably tell you who it was anymore, but between that and opening be caffeinated was probably a year and a half, but that one backhanded, not backhanded, but random <laughs> comment, <laughs> Oh, sassy. Anyway, <laughs> that one comment that no one really cared about literally led to this random journey that ended up with us opening becaffeinated and then where we are today. Um I should figure out who that was and like send them a thank you. Yeah you should. <laughs> I don't remember uh, I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, just being open for potential long term optimism. My wife's joke is it'll work out. Uh and, and it's a joke because like no matter what's happening or how like upset or whatever, it's like, ah oh, it'll work out. Like, oh we don't have any money. Oh, it'll work out. Oh, this person died. Oh, it'll work out. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think the short-term reality with long-term optimism is really impactful.
2: Yeah, cool. Nate, what's your thing? Yeah, sure. Um, So I want to talk about... I recently read the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, if you don't know about him, he is a journalist, a very famous journalist, uh, my personal favorite. Uh, I'm very big into journalism. And he is also the creator of *Revisionist History, which is a really great podcast I recommend. He loves to do deep dives, basically where he analyzes very particular subjects and how they kind of impact society. So in his book Blink, he basically goes into several different (coughs) stories that highlight uh, the moments before big things, typically. And it tends to be basically an introspective look at, like, mm. big things that have happened or events and moments where people really needed to step back and just slowly think things through, basically, is how I describe Kind of
0: like the quiet before the storm, almost? Yeah, it's yeah.
2: very similar to yeah. that. And it's very much um, just a book of moments, which I think very much... Is the theme of this episode yep. too we're very much talking about moments um yeah so a big thing that he talks about in his book as like his main like business example would have would be the new coke um a lot of you probably know about new coke big event where coke basically changed its formula for its original coke and came out with new coke where it was a bit sweeter and they did that because they weren't to compete with pepsi because pepsi was on the rise at the time and when they did that, they had done so many blind taste tests that showed that new Coke was better and that people would enjoy it more. And Coke was incredibly optimistic. They thought that this was going to be what put them way above Pepsi and sure that they would always be the top soda. And what ended up happening, though, and if any of you were around when this happened, you'll probably remember, there was so much outrage. <laughs> and this is one of the first like big examples I was taught about, like public relations and marketing, wherever I was in college, it was just the disaster of New Coke, where people were so angry that their Coke that they loved was changed. Even though those same, those same people, like if when they had been in that blind taste test, that said they liked New Coke more. What mattered was if Coke had stepped back in that moment, I actually took a look at what made their brand special hmm. and able to see why do people drink Coke it has way less to do with what their product actually is. It had way more to do with what their product stood for to them.
0: When, when did new Coke happen? Um, was that like a recent thing? Or? No, no, this was in, the
2: eighties, I believe. The nineteen eighties? Yeah, yeah. Oh. so it's oh, wow. it's been a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but still like it's it was such like a giant deal of like this mega company. I yeah. mean, Coke is ubiquitous yeah. <laughs> having to like make this like disastrous mistake and to and like the marketing world was just fantastic.
0: Do you think the kind of marketing direction that Coke took after that is kind of impacted by this? Like with the whole the polar bear stuff and the community oriented like global coke thing absolutely
2: yeah they fully had to really like take a step back which i mean is what they showed down in the first yeah. place of and see like what does coke mean and what kind of brand are we trying to be and i think that really is the origin of where coke decided like its branding was going to be way more focused on being uh, the american family soda basically mm-hmm. and it's where they started to like basically like putting themselves in situations where like they were tied to like Santa Claus drinking a Coke and stuff like that, where they just became like this ubiquitous thing. I keep
1: saying the phrase ubiquitous. um, It's a great word, Nate. It's not used enough in the English language. So I think you're doing your part today. Well,
2: also because <laughs> Coke actually did a campaign called the Ubiquitous Campaign where they actually It's pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. Wow. Where uh they put this happened in the china actually, where they were putting uh on billboards just the phrase ubiquitous. Mm. And wait, I, that was them?
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that was cool. I remember those.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. really strange, but yeah, it was a Coke marketing plan. Yeah, and I would say that like they fully were able to lean into that, but they were able to do that after having this disastrous marketing campaign with New Coke that totally failed. And I think that's a really good example of how companies can have like this very clear idea in their minds of what their business is about, mm-hmm. but that's so important to take a step back and see what does your customer think of you. What is it that makes them come to you?
0: Why do they go to you instead of somewhere else? Exactly. Your unique value proposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you guys know why, like, the connection between Coke and Chattanooga? No. Chattanooga was the first place that Coke was ever bottled. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, The first
0: time ever. There was a bottling plant. Okay, It it had never been bottled until Chattanooga. It was a pair of brothers that ended up doing it.
1: That's so really interesting.
0: So actually has a really strong tie to the history
1: of Coke. Mm-hmm. Pretty fun. Yeah, I didn't know that. You yeah, should cool. dig
0: into it sometime. It's a really interesting history. And I, I think it eventually moved somewhere else, but really cool. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I've had a ton of moments with Becaffeinated where it felt like the end of the world and everything was crashing down around me and I had super like crazy anxiety attacks. And then um, and then I was it was okay, <laughs> and the world didn't end, and I didn't die, and um, and that's happened more than more than three times. Um, so uh, I have now. I try to when I feel like it's the absolute craziest, worst thing ever. I try to step back and be like, How am I going to feel in a month? Yeah. How am I going to feel in three months? How am I going to feel in a year? Mm-hmm. Am I even going to remember this? If not, maybe drink some whiskey, calm down at home, not, you know, <laughs> at yeah. work. Uh, no one knows <laughs> about my secret setups. Um, and, and then try and, and I think, you know, the blink thing is also, I, I haven't read it, but what you're saying is it's really important to really take a step back before you do stuff. Because a lot of times we just get into the rhythm of doing the mm-hmm. rhythm of busyness and, uh, just, Arbitrary action, just to keep
1: doing stuff. Yeah. Well,
2: another big element of it too is fear, Um, and they talked about that a lot. Blink is the fact of me and my friends had this running joke of a lizard brain. Which is uh when you get like freaked out by something and you do something really stupid like jump off a wall yeah just and that, yeah in that second you aren't thinking you're doing lizard instinct of just yep. I'm gonna do this thing and that's real when people are really frightened or they feel really uncertain we immediately just start acting basically have like animal instinct just about mm. that's like a proven thing um I think that's a big thing in the business world is where like you see something scary like Oh, wow. Pepsi's growing really quickly. People like Pepsi more than us. Uh, what are we going to do? And you make like those rash decisions right then. And the result is do Coke. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. No, I think that's, that's really huge. That's something for me that was actually like a huge personal lesson of in stressful times, I would take those arbitrary actions and jump into things that weren't a good fit for me. Um, And later, after enough times of being burned that way, I started making sure I took a lot of time for myself whenever I knew I was going to make a big pivot. So, like, for instance, one time I was in between... And I really needed a full-time job with benefits and all that stuff. And I just went and applied for an insurance company because I knew that they wouldn't be able to pay (laughs) me money. And I got the job, but I hated every single second of it. And it was not a sustainable move. And that was what I was hoping for. I wanted a sustainable move, but in the rushing of being scared, lizard brain, I just was like, okay, that's something, I'll, I'll get that, cool and in retrospect that was that wasted a bunch of time applying to it waiting around for it getting the job jumping into training and then leaving in seven weeks because it was a nightmare
0: <laughs> i would i would also argue yes that that was a waste of time but also it w- i think you learned a lot too i did yeah and learned what you don't want to do and sometimes that's just as valuable yeah. sometimes we can learn things quicker and less painfully um, <laughs> than others but i do think uh, you can take too long to decide and not enough time to decide things. But I think just always being open to learning opportunities is like the way you win. Yeah. So you're going to, everyone messes up. Everyone's going to yeah. mess up. If you're a business owner, you're going to mess up. Uh, It's not when it's, or it's not how it's when and, and like how often and you know all that. So just taking those mistakes and learning from them. And then like with the insurance job, you blinked yeah you did the thing yeah and and if you had that was my new code yeah like i i was at a point in my life where i was like do i want to be corporate chris or startup chris i got a job at a local logistics company as a freight broker freight broker (laughs) a freight broker (laughs) uh and hated every day of it it drained my soul but i was willing to to fight through it and you know, go for management because I know I liked people, and they said, "No, thanks. We don't like that you are thinking and have long-term goals. We just want a drone." And then they fired me. Um, but like I, that led to me blinking, sitting back, and being like, "I don't think I can work in that environment. The cubicle life is not for me. I like engaging too much." And I was able to figure out, okay, I think I want to do the other the other path. So yep. um, yeah.
2: Yeah. And blink does like explore the flip side of that as well, which is where, um, you blink and because of blinking, you've now waited too long mm-hmm. or you focus too long on the details and you miss opportunities. Um, the story it focuses on, on that side, uh, resol- revolves very heavily around, uh, American United States like army like war games Mm. and how uh, the United States army did several like war games like uh, computer war games with uh, I I can't remember his rank but some like uh, retired military I I think like a general or something like that and he kept beating the United States army in war games and basically because despite having Way more resources and way more Personnel and way better technology. They kept trying to take things at very like um like professional this is how we fight yeah bureau, yep. bureaucratic standpoint very reliant on like effective communication from a standpoint of like you know hierarchy of command and stuff like that versus he would just go full guerrilla warfare mm-hmm. and so he kept winning when he shouldn't have won
0: i mean it's literally the revolutionary war yeah. right yes. like that's why the americans won the revolutionary war is because the brits were like this is how you fight and then we were like no, you're gonna die. <laughs> gonna die like this. Yeah. Also, here's your tea in the water. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. And your business can have the same things happen to it, where you can be taking like that same like methodical approach because this is the way that we do things, and because you keep blinking and missing on the fact of like actually, my competition, they're doing this new thing of uh, that new thing. It will never catch on. That's too radical. Or like TikTok.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I have a great example of that, and it's super relevant to the seminar we're doing tonight. Which by the time this airs, will have been probably a month ago. Um but there's this concept called the lean uh, canvas model or the one- page business plan. And I have met so many people that want to start a business, and they are so intimidated by doing a huge business plan. And I'm like, why do you need to do a 30 page business plan? That doesn't make any sense. It's gonna change in a month. like just get stuff just do stuff, just get stuff on paper do the one page business plan. If you go to a bank for a loan and they're like, we need a bigger business plan. Okay. Then do it. You can even pay someone to do it. Like I've written business plans for people before that. They paid me to do it, but do not let not do not let opening a business uh, be stopped by you feeling like you have to do stuff that you think is equivalent to being a successful business person. Cause it's not usually true. Just go yep. to talk to somebody, go to talk to the small business development center, or talk to hive thing, which is us or literally anyone To let you know, you can kind of do it however you want to do it, and just start doing stuff. Do anything. Just talk to people, sell stuff, show up at a market, message people on Instagram, make a TikTok, do anything. But not doing stuff because you think you have to do stuff is really, really, really stupid.
1: Not stupid, just yeah, don't do it. Well, it's (laughs) like that saying, you can't it's uh, harder to steer a ship that's not in motion. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just stuck in the sand, you haven't taken off into the water, doesn't matter how much you change the wheel and change your plan, you're still just parked. Yep. Whereas if you are like in motion and you're taking action and it looks messy and it's dumb and yep. you're doing the wrong the wrong things, in yep. quotations, then guess what, you're, you're still doing pretty good. Yeah, also, who said they're wrong? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I have an MBA. They don't know what they're talking about. So much of what I learned was like how to be a cog in a corporate machine. Yeah. It has It very, my undergrad was more beneficial for being a small business owner than my uh, graduate degree was. Um, And like the people that write that stuff, are professors at universities that have probably never actually run a business. Yeah. Like don't listen to them. Find someone that you respect that's doing the thing you want to do or similar thing, or has the same vibe or mentality as you talk to them, do what they're doing, copy them. Don't, don't listen to some schmuck in a tower somewhere that says, this is how it should be done. Because then you're just going to have another business do guerrilla warfare and just jump out in front of you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Boom. Boom. Roasted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. My turn. Your turn. I feel Ooh. like I've talked enough already, but uh, yeah. So to end this episode, we're going to talk about, I feel like it kind of wraps up everything pretty well. So two concepts, one building out your business before you build it up. And then two, how important the power of moments are. So if you think about your business, as if you're building a tower or a house or something, a lot of people, like if you build anything, you know, that a foundation is important. Uh, a lot of times it's a concrete foundation. Sometimes it's something else. I don't know. I'm not a builder, um, but if you don't have that foundation, then the big bad wolf's going to come by and blow it down, and then he's going to eat you, with, and you're going to be bacon. Um, but if you build out your foundation, then you can build the walls up stronger and yada yada yada. The the thing that a lot of people forget is if you see really really tall towers, it's a lot easier to make them tall if you have a really wide foundation. Um, so if you've ever played with Legos or Lincoln Logs or anything like that, or even a sandcastle uh, or a Jenga is a good example. Yeah. So imagine, so you have your three by three, you know, Jenga three, 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 three. Um, and like the higher it gets, the more wobbly it gets. You're like, oh, now imagine if instead of the three Jenga sticks, it was four groups of three and you built that up. You could get like probably five times higher than good. Now imagine it was, 10 of those, or nine of those, or however that math works. Then keep going, keep going, keep going. And eventually, like, you're gonna run into this wall and it's gonna bounce you back, you know? Um, And it's this concept of building wide before building up with business. And so, a lot of people feel like it's more important to make the jobs and then find the people rather than finding the people and then making the jobs. And I don't think I'm very good at a lot of stuff, but what I would argue that I'm kind of good at is finding the people and then making the jobs. Um, sometimes the people find me, like in Nate's case or Michael's case, but uh, part of it is like-
1: Even even then, like attracting people- Yeah. By setting up a welcoming environment that somewhere, someone, cool people would want to come, yep. that's equally part of it.
0: Well, and, and, and then, the, the conversion of, okay, this person's come, and they wanna do whatever, but then kind of identifying that person's specific skill sets and saying, okay, how can I take these things that not only are you good at, but you're super passionate about, tie them in with my business or whatever I'm doing, and not only does everyone win because they're happier, but you're way better at it because you really freaking care about it. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think our superpower is. Um, whether it's with Nate and Michael or with Tyler or, um, with our roaster or whomever it is, we find those things that people really care about and really good at, and we build on that. So I think with, you know, especially with be caffeinated, we have a really long-term vision for what we want to do and where we want to go. Um, and I get paid very little money, but it's because I want it to be thrown back into the business. I'd rather other people get paid more because it means I can invest in these people. And not only do they not leave, but they keep uh, building up what's around them. We have this enormous, that's not a word, ginormous base (laughs) where, uh, you know, we have the infrastructure already built out to get really, really big. And on a short term um, books perspective, it looks really bad, like (laughs) money wise. From a long-term perspective, we have a marketing team, we have a nonprofit give back coordinator, we have a nonprofit assistant, we have uh, a head roaster, we have a COO, a CEO, we have a part-time CFO. Like We have these things that we have no business having because we're a very small business, but we're building it out and then we're increasing everyone's pay as we go so that they'll actually want to stick around. Um, and so that's that's part of it. The other part is this concept of the power of moments. There's a book written by, uh, what's his name? Chip Heath and Dan
1: uh, Heath. I, I kind of want to jump in real quick before yeah, you move sorry. on to the next part. Uh, I really like that, that concept. Um, essentially, it's people first, system second, and whereas most business things out in the world, always talk about systems and processes. And and if you, I've heard a billion stories of, of people coming into companies, especially if they acquired a company and they come in and the first thing they want to do is change all the SOPs, the systems and processes and everyone hates it and never does well, it doesn't bring the, the, the benefits that the people in management really think it's going to bring but the investment in people almost always does. It, it does bring that benefit. And I think that's really a, a, a really cool contrarian stance uh, compared to a lot of uh, business things. So just I, how I, I like would that. say it's punk. Yeah, it's punk. Um, <laughs> so I was just gonna say, I really like that. And then for people that are solopreneurs, I think there's even uh, equal correlation or connection over there in terms of uh, the systems of what you're trying to do. Maybe you're already the person that can crush it. But most of the time when you encounter doing so many new things that you're not used to doing, you're not used to doing the marketing, you're not used to doing the accounting, you're not used to doing the sales and working on the product or the service, you're going to encounter things you're not so good at. And that's okay because you can become good at them. Mm but the way you're going to become good at them is by investing in yourself as a person. So even when you're a one person foundation, you investing in yourself before systems is still going to be really good. If you can fight through the doubt and the fear enough to just stick with something and, and make quick action and make and have the humility to go ask for help, you're going to be way better off. than if you only care about the systems
0: and think about if your other option is to like hire someone on for it, you know, especially as a solopreneur, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot more expensive to have someone on salary than to just take their first three months of what you would pay them and just invest in yourself, mm-hmm. um, which could be teaching yourself QuickBooks. It could be taking a class on project management, you know, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, I agree. Investing in yourself is huge, whether it's, you know, purchasing a, a hive think accelerator membership, um, you know, anything like <laughs> that, <laughs> um, and then there's also always free resources. The small business development center is amazing. Uh, you know, it's government funded and they do great stuff. I've been meeting with them since before we opened, be caffeinated, still meet with them. You know, there's collab in town, there's launch, there's score, there's all these great resources. So uh, just, just don't, you know, be Patrick star and live under a rock. Cause then you can't get help. Yeah. Cool. Um, power moments. Moments. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick. I, you made me think of something else also as solopreneurs or small teams, there's also value in uh, collaborative settings and networking and partnering with people that are also going through stuff. Um, It's really fun to talk to other business owners about what they're doing and kind of shouldering burdens and, Hey, I had this problem. What'd you do? Or, Hey, same thing turned around. Um, And finding your tribe is important and people that are like minded, but not, not like echo chambery, but, same values and goals it's okay to be different you know but if you're both like hey i think this is morally good or bad or you know this is the whole purpose that i exist and you find someone with a very similar thing like working together it makes everything easier um anyway so power of moments so it's power of moments and there's a book called everybody matters by bob chapman um, power of moments talks about basically moments have power <laughs> um, <laughs> done my favorite example from the book that really gets the point across easily is If you've ever been to an amusement park, they use Disney world as an example. That's the one I'm most familiar with. So I'll use it when you're in Disney world. 80% of it is pretty miserable. You're (laughs) waiting in lines. You're eating overpriced food. It's really hot. Your kids are complaining. Everyone's whining in the moment. It sucks. But a year later, when you remember that trip, you remember Ariel gave a high five to your kid You saw the fireworks show. That ride was so much fun. Oh, I got to meet this character. Disney World has literally created a business out of the power of moments. And they have figured out how to try to minimize negative stuff, whether it's, you know, being sore and walking or whatever. I mean, they make everything great. They have their own paint color that the the U.S. government actually bought from them because your eyes just don't rest on it. Um, and so they've done a really good job at kind of creating and crafting and curating this experience where it's, it's literally magical. Um, and it's because they focus on the magical moments, uh, a business example that they use is there's this hotel somewhere, super nondescript motel. It's got a pool, whatever has an insane amount of five-star reviews because at the pool, they have one of those old rotary telephone sort of things. You pick up the telephone, you put it to your ear and they say, yeah, what what kind of popsicle flavor do you want? <laughs> and you say, I'd like cherry. And then this butler with a silver platter and a cherry popsicle on it comes out and like opens it for you and, you get, and it's a free popsicle. And like, just think about how easy that is. And they have thousands of five-star reviews. Because of a free Popsicle. Their beds aren't amazing. The rooms are average. The food's probably not great, but you can order a free Popsicle. <laughs> yeah. And the number of people that tell people about this, and then they go and stay so they can experience this free Popsicle experience. Like, Think about how cheap those Popsicles are and how incredibly pervasive the experience is that makes people talk about it. Um, so that's the power of moments. What can your business do? that really rides these powers of moments and makes these experiences for people creates this magic. Um, It could be business, could be nonprofits, could be literally anything. And it could be product oriented. It could be customer oriented. It could be service oriented. It could really be anything. Um, And it's kind of drawing kind of just an allusion to what we were talking about earlier um, where there's just so much that it doesn't take a lot of effort. It just takes creativity and intentionality. Um, And then on the Everybody Matters side, uh, it kind of draws, they they aren't connected, but it talks about a lot of the powers of moments for employees and Mm -hmm. um, as the book is named, Everybody Matters. And it talks about, in part of the book, kind of your first day experience at a new job and how a lot of times you go to this job and you awkwardly meet the person you're supposed to meet and they lead you to a desk that has like a half turned on computer that still needs to be plugged in and they're like oh go and introduce yourself to everyone and they're all doing their work and you feel like you're an inconvenience yeah. and you're interrupting them and they're like oh yeah we'll go get lunch later and then some people kind of do but they kind of aren't super happy about it cuz they have to get their work done and you just leave the day and you're like i don't really feel like i should be here or I don't think that was very fun, and I feel like I was just a second, you know, second thought. Um, versus John Deere in Japan, uh, which is a weird place for John Deere to yeah. be, I think. But you show up on your first day, they have a uh, they have your name already on there, like on a nameplate, and there is a customized video message from the CEO on your computer waiting you press play and it says hello bobby i'm blah 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 and i'm the ceo of this branch welcome to the team we're really excited to have you here here's your your uh your uh agenda for the day and it's like completely planned out freaking good it's so good and you have someone that's assigned to you the team already knows like you go to this department and they talk to you this department the lunch is already planned out and who's going to go with you and like you leave the day feeling like i'm home i'm welcome i'm wanted here and you're really happy and that sets the entire tone of your job yep how hard is that it's
1: not hard. it's not that hard but it's so impactful some jobs i've been to before probably the insurance company if i remember correctly uh i showed up (laughs) and probably i was supposed to meet with someone and then they weren't there yet so i'm just waiting around feeling like I'm wasting time and you're trying to be a, like, do a good yeah, job. I want to do a good job, but yeah. I, I don't know what a good job means. Yeah. And, and then that's just the story again and again and again. And uh, yeah, I think that's far too common versus that, which is, yes, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. And at at be caffeinated and we're, we are nowhere near like excellent, but uh, our orientation has become uh, less learn how to do coffee and more let's talk about, like what you want to do here why we exist um the first hour is talking about be origin what's important i go through a macro view of like uh basically farm to cup with coffee and the journey and like the stewardship of a barista we talk about um kind of you know all the stuff we do the paperwork and the boring stuff and then uh I, I take them out to eat and we eat as a group usually doug's there and whomever else from the leadership team that wants to be there. Um, and they leave feeling like, I don't know. I think, I hope they feel like they're wanted there. They're welcome to the team. They're excited. Um, dinner doesn't cost like a ton. It's not cheap, but like, it's, worth, I think worth it's well worth people, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I want them to feel like, like they are valued, desired. It's not just hey you applied and we needed people so i said yes it's like we're invested in you being happy because that's our whole thing is be happy be caffeinated and if the first day was just like oh yeah i forgot uh yeah just kind of talk to this person and maybe do that and oh i forgot to print this out oh i forgot to do that which i've definitely done Mm -hmm. several times i'll add it's a process Um, it's a process yeah And, and and but like it's just i think we get a little better at it each time but it's because the idea is Okay. How can I do this better next time? Yeah. So we had an orientation yesterday. Um, I've already been thinking about, okay, how can I do it better next time? What can we do different? What can we add on? How can I make it more streamlined? How can I not forget to do this? Like I already, I'm just remembering that I need to send another email, which I told them I'd send today. So I'm good, but, um, just making it to where they feel like a priority and not an inconvenience. Um, and then even more than that just making that magical power of that moment what do you guys think yeah
2: so i but this really harkens back to again is being able to look at your business from other perspectives mm. that's a huge part of this is being able to walk through it not only from like the standpoint of your customers but also from your employees mm-hmm. that's huge and a lot of people neglect that they just kind of treat their business as this autonomous system that's just going to keep running and running as long as they do the necessary things that they think are going to keep it running that way and the result is that people are unhappy um, customers are not getting the treatment that they deserve or they aren't leaving with those moments that are powerful for them and it really can be things that you just don't think about Whenever like um you brought up disneyland it made me think of like this really cool thing that i know that um, disneyland does which is that whenever you're at like a particular park you cannot see the other parks and that's a big part of the immersion value for it that mm-hmm. like you wouldn't think about but i've gone to other theme parks before where you're in your theme park and it's got like a theme of like oh you're in a jungle or something and then a mile away in the distance, there's a giant <laughs> office tower or something. Yep. And it's like, well, it, it doesn't feel like I'm at a jungle anymore. Uh, now I'm kind of reminded, oh yeah, I'm just walking around on pavement mm-hmm. to go look at a jaguar or something. <laughs> and yeah, that power of immersion is fully lost. So, and that's something like you would never think about unless you were there experiencing what you are doing and asking yourself, what can I do to make this a better experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I really I really love the idea of the power moments and it honestly makes me think a lot about music, so that's my original background of like my passion and first big career. And when thinking about music, it is all moments. It's in time, there's only one chance to hear that one part of the song as it's moving along. But there's this constant push and pull of trying to understand what is the listener thinking are they going to be bored hey you know what we need to surprise them with something fun oh are they is them are they can they not understand the lyrics okay we need to adjust how we produce this song so they can hear the words and hear the cool music and oh you know what would be really great what if right before that final big chorus everything drops out except for the drums for the, the last measure and so it's music 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 and the chorus comes in that hits so freaking hard and everyone flips out and really thinking about that example of coming in and saying, okay, the CEO is speaking to me, here's your agenda. You you already got people going to lunch and we're going to do all this stuff. Like that is the same thing that care of the empathy of trying to imagine their whole experience and then to go above and beyond to not make it just what they're expecting, but to make it more than what they were expecting.
0: Unreasonable hospitality. Exactly. And it ties all together. But I think uh, it's so important to uh, always keep in mind that it's how people feel like perception is reality, how Mm. they feel is their reality. Uh, If you make people feel good, they're going to want to come back. If you make them feel bad, they probably aren't going to want to come back. And something as simple as a popsicle on a silver platter can make people feel really, really good. Yep. And that goes for the customers too. Um, and just thinking about your customer experience and how they interact with your space or your products. I mean, a really easy thing to think about is your website. Is it a chore for uh, for your customers to buy something from you? That's not good. It should be as easy and seamless as possible. Is it hard for them to figure out where you're located? Uh, our roaster today was telling me about a coffee shop that he went to where uh, he couldn't find it. He, <laughs> he finally figured it out, but it was you had to walk through like this garage, then walk in. There's no sign or anything. And he was like, hey, why don't you guys have a sign? And they're like, oh, we were going to do one, but it was a little expensive, and we decided not to. And he's like, think about how much money you're probably losing just because people can't find you. So not only can they not find you? But when they do, they kind of feel probably a little frustrated that it was so hard to find you. They feel a little stupid because they couldn't find you. You don't want any negative emotions to be tied to your brand or to your product or to the experience. You want it to be as positive and seamless as possible. Um, And that's why you see things like, uh, like the, the mail-in mattresses these days where 365 day money back guarantee, where if you don't like it, you'll send it back because you're probably not going to mail a mattress back. Um, and it's their way of guaranteeing you'll like it without probably having to do too much. Um, but it's so important because it makes you feel safe. You feel yep. like it's not a risk. It's a $800 mattress that you don't want to spend money on. But I have a whole year to give it back. 366 today, you're screwed. But before that, you're good. And so it's taking away the fear, taking away the risk, making people feel happy, safe, valued, seen positive, magical, that is everything from the unreasonable hospitality to the power of moments to everybody matters, all lumped into one um, and is really important. And if I think anyone who masters that experience masters your business, no matter what it is, Um, literally no matter what it is, that is the pinnacle of the customer experience. Um, So yeah. yeah. 100%
1: 100% mm-hmm.
2: you gotta listen to feedback that's a big part of it too like you said you gotta listen to the feedback mm-hmm. Um and be able to understand like how to take negative feedback people to understand how to take positive feedback Because like we like was mentioned in the podcast people don't look at that enough And just be able to say like what does this mean and not get upset about it because I guarantee you Well, I don't want to say guarantee, but i'm i'm pretty certain if we were to go back to that coffee shop They still don't have a sign
0: No, no this <laughs> happened like Couple days ago or a week ago, um, but and it's it it hurts too. Like it's it's your baby. A lot of times, yeah. like as a business owner or a leader, um, you don't like the negative feedback. But uh, like we are talking about with customers, they they are why you exist They're why you can stay open. Um, and so you should you should really listen to that feedback. And I we should listen to feedback more too. Um, and you can't listen to
1: feedback if you don't ask the questions. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. So if you have any feedback for us, <laughs> drop some comments down below. <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: uh, yeah. But that's been our episode of Zero to Hero, uh, where we teach people how to go from zero to potentially a startup hero one day. If you have any questions or topics that you want us to dig into in future episodes, feel free to let us know either on YouTube comments, Spotify comments. Oh, that's not a thing. Uh, Instagram Facebook comments any of the comments message us whatever feel my cell phone. Just come and ask me Um, And we'll probably do an episode on that in the future Uh, again. This was Chris wood Nate
1: Tucker and Michael artist
0: and we're signing off on zero to hero brought to you by hive think media Coffee (laughs)